Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. That's the Sunday that's the bridge from the Epiphany season when we think of Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. The bridge from that season to the Lenten season as we think of our Savior's suffering and death for us. Our order of service today is in the bulletin, a version of the service of the Word. And we're going to begin right now with hymn number 522, Beautiful Savior, it's 369 in the Red Book. Trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, 
Have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins by the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Sunday is from 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. This reading tells us about Elijah, one of the two Old Testament prophets who was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, tells us how God took him to heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Understand that the tradition in Israel in those days is that the the eldest son got a double portion and the other sons would get a single portion. So if there would be 
for three sons, the eldest son would get two shares, that's a half, and the two other sons would get a quarter each. Anyway, he was asking for the double portion as a, as a proof and evidence that he was the successor as the prophet. Elisha replied, you have asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Alleluia. In his word, God the Father is still saying to us, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Alleluia. when Jesus was transfigured. Here it talks about how, oh, the, the law is a glorious message that God gave to Moses, but, but the gospel message so much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we, rec we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And let's sing our next hymn, hymn 389. 
How good, Lord, to be here. It's hymn number 95 in the Red Book. today is our gospel reading from Mark chapter 9 verses 2 to 9, the account of the transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Moses, Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow believers in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, 
One day, a number of years ago, there was a pastor who was going to visit a woman who took in, who took in laundry to pay some of her bills. But anyway, when he came to her home, she happened to be putting up the last of her laundry out on the line in the yard. And when she was putting the laundry up, she was putting up some white sheets and the pastor, when he saw them, he commented, I have never seen such an absolutely spotless wash. She accepted what her pastor had to say and then the two of them went inside and they had some tea and they were conversing each other. They had their devotion together. They spent their time and while they were together, what happened is that the, the sky covered over and snowflakes began to fall. And when it was time for the pastor to leave and to go home, well, or go on with his business, what happened is that snow had covered the trees the grass, and when the pastor was looking and observing things, he kind of thoughtlessly ended up saying, your sheets don't look quite so clean as they did before. <laughs> when he said that, she replied, ah, the washing is still the same, but what can stand against the Almighty's purity? This is Transfiguration Sunday, and Transfiguration Sunday, it's one special Sunday that's maybe overlooked a bit, but it's such a special Sunday because when you think about it, what it does is it reminds us who Jesus is and what he has done for us. No one of Jesus' day would have denied the fact that he was true man, but there were plenty of people who would have denied that he is true God. And that's kind of hard to believe if you think about the miracles that he performed. Still, they would deny his deity. Still, so many denied that. But here, when he was transfigured, Jesus shouts out to us that he really is true God and that his purpose in coming into this world was well, to go all the way to the cross, to suffer and die for us, to pay for our sins, to rise from the dead, to prove that he had won the victory for us so that we can look forward to eternal life in heaven. What a special day, Transfiguration Day is. Jesus reminding us who he is and what he has done for us. And since we have the opportunity to celebrate that today, what we'll want to do is join the Apostle Peter, thinking of the words of the hymn that we just sang, how good, Lord, to be here. How good, Lord, to be here. And now, the fact is, is that we weren't able to see Jesus in his glory as Peter, James, and John did on that special day. But through the eyes of faith, we can see what they saw. We can behold the true Son of God. We can listen to the voice of God the Father and we can get a foretaste of heaven. 
own our reading, it takes place about two-thirds of the way through Jesus' public ministry. Jesus paused for a moment from his active preaching and teaching and performing of miracles and counseling. He paused from that, oh, to go to a remote area of Palestine, accompanied by three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. And where exactly they went, we don't know the location of this high mountain for sure, but it was a secluded place, a secluded place that would mean that those three disciples and Jesus wouldn't be distracted by the curious onlookers who often were following Jesus. It was some time for them to have quiet time together, some time for meditation, and Jesus often withdrew from the people for that very reason. And we're blessed when we do the same thing, when we withdraw and take time with our Savior, with our God. And, well, that doesn't mean that we need to find a high mountain to climb. We can actually have that private time with our God, well, in our homes. All we really need to do is turn off the TV, the computer, the cell phone, and open up our Bibles, spend time with our Savior. And now, I often will tell you that some of that quiet time that I can spend with God, time praying to him, is when I go out and run a few miles most days. That's what works for me. There are some people who love to get up early in the morning and read and study their Bibles and pray. And maybe people close their day with reading and studying their Bibles. And I know some people who tend to maybe even look at my devotions and and. Let them put them to sleep, which isn't a bad way to go to sleep. But you'll have to figure out what works best for you. Make sure that you're spending some private time with your Savior, some quiet time with the Savior, so that then you can join the Apostle Peter in saying, how good, Lord, to be here. Mark tells us, there, Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. What happened to Jesus' appearance on that day was as drastic as what happens to a, a caterpillar that turns into a beautiful butterfly. But of course, what happened to Jesus was even more majestic, more glorious, more brilliant, more spectacular. Luke says, his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Peter, James, and John, they were privileged to be able to see Jesus, the true Son of God, in some but not all of his glory. And remember that sinful human beings just can't take on right now, anyway, in this life, that full glory of God, we just couldn't handle it. But now, why was it that this 
spectacular event even occurred. Well, within about nine months, what would happen is Jesus would enter into the depths of his humiliation by being arrested and mocked and scorned and tortured and cruelly executed on the cross. And he'd be forsaken by God. He'd go through real, literal hell in order to pay for our sins. And, oh, the events of this day. What happened on that Mount of Transfiguration? That had to help Jesus as he was going through all of those things to be reminded who he is and what he had come to do and how God the Father was supporting him, all of that. But it, that special day wasn't just for Jesus. It was also for the disciples. It was for us as well. It was to help those disciples in their ministries because they could tell their listeners that they were eyewitnesses of Jesus' majesty when he showed himself to be the true Son of God. And, and what a blessing it is for us to consider this event and be reminded that the Savior who's going to the cross, that he's true God. Oh, imagine for a second having a red glass bottle that was full of milk. And now I tell you that because if you looked at that bottle and you saw that it was full of a liquid, you wouldn't really know what was inside of it. You might think that there was some wine or perhaps some dark liquid like Coke or root beer that was inside of it. You would only realize that there was milk in it once that milk was poured out of the bottle and into a glass. With it in the bottle, you'd never really recognize what it was. And, well, with Jesus, his humanity, it did a tremendous job of hiding from the world who Jesus really was, of concealing his, his deity. Well, people, they looked at him and they saw him tired and hungry and suffering and weeping and... Not surprising that they would have thought of him as just a man. But through this transfiguration, we're reminded who he really is. Through the transfiguration and through his miracles and, and especially through his going through the cross and his rising from the dead, there what happened is we could say that Jesus was poured out of that red bottle so that we can see him as the Son of God and the Savior of the world and our way to eternal life. Mark says, Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. Interesting, this cloud didn't bring, didn't bring mist or murkiness, so think about some of the terribly foggy mornings that we've had here in the past couple of weeks where you could see absolutely nothing. That wasn't this cloud. This cloud instead brought brightness or radiance. And from that cloud, God the Father spoke. 
And the words that he spoke there, similar to the words that he spoke at Jesus' baptism, but instead of saying, with him I am well pleased, instead here he said, well, listen to him, listen to Jesus. And with those words, what God the Father was doing is showing his support for his son, showing his support for his son, the work that he was doing. And when he said, listen to him, well, the, the sad thing for us to recognize today is that there are so many in our world today who have no need for Jesus and don't care what he has to say. And what a tragic thing that is. There is a general feeling in the world today that all religions, no matter what they are, whether they include Christ or not, that they all end up going to the same place, to heaven, that there are many different ways, highways to heaven. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, he's the one and only Savior that this world is ever going to have. And what is more, there are so many people in the world also who maybe profess to be followers of Jesus and belong to a church which is supposed to be Christian, but they do not desire to keep or accept or follow portions of what the Bible has to say. Satan, he's always trying to work on us, trying to get us to play oh, what we could call smorgasbord religion or buffet religion to accept the teachings of God that we like, that we prefer, and then to just toss aside those ones that maybe are a little bit hard for us to accept. But Jesus doesn't allow us to play smorgasbord or buffet religion. Again, remember the Father said, listen to him. And listen doesn't mean in one ear and out the other. Listen means listen to what it says Keep those words in your head and then put them into, into action in your lives. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, and he means there all of his teachings, the entire Bible, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, our text tells us that those disciples, they were so frightened under these circumstances. They didn't know what to say. And, and again, well, sinful human beings are naturally afraid of our holy and perfect and almighty God. That's probably why God the Father said to those disciples and to us as well, not look at Jesus, but listen to him because Looking at him, that can put that fear in our hearts. But listening to him brings us such comfort. Looking at him, oh, even minor demonstrations of God's power can cause people to cringe and to quake. Oh, think about the approach of a, a tornado or a hurricane or some other terrible snowstorm or, or terribly cold weather, those things can put uh, a 
fear into a person's heart. And here, Peter, James, and John, what they do is they react according to their sinful nature and, and they're terrified at the presence of God. And well, the fact of the matter is, is that if right now we were to hear God the Father's voice from heaven, we would be cringing too. We'd be terrified too. But because of Jesus, you know, the wonderful thing that we can confess is that, you know, we don't really have to be afraid of that God. My sinful nature makes me afraid of him, but I don't really have to be afraid of God because what Jesus did is he paid for my sins and he washed them all away. They're all washed away by the precious blood of Christ and because of Jesus, no, because we can hear our Heavenly Father speaking to us in, in our reading and elsewhere in Scripture telling us about the forgiveness of sins and what Christ has done for us. We don't have to be afraid, but we can instead join in Peter and say, how good, Lord, to be here. Well, the transfiguration, what it does is it allows us to behold the true Son of God and to hear God the Father's voice. And it also gives us a wonderful foretaste of heaven. Our reading says, And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus having two of God's faithful prophets, sometimes called the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, with Jesus appear with him, what that did is it demonstrated the reality of life beyond the grave and also the fact that Jesus really is the Savior. Now think about it. In about nine months, I said, what would happen is Jesus would go to his suffering and death, and he would also rise from the dead. But as far as God the Father was concerned, it was already an accomplished fact. Jesus' full mission was already an accomplished act in eternity. It was an accomplished act the moment that God the Father made that promise to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. Now Peter said, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This was a preview of heaven for, uh, for Peter and also for us. Through these words, what the Holy Spirit is doing is strengthening us, building us up in our faith so that we can know that our faith in our God, it's, it's not in vain. It's not in vain, it's genuine. In our lives, there are probably times when we experience something kind of like what Peter, James, and John experienced. Those mountain highs, we could think of them. And that can be, oh, for example, at a confirmation, when our favorite hymns are being sung. If you hear a beautiful choir, if you're receiving the Lord's Supper, if God's word is really striking home so that you're not only seeing your sins, but also seeing your Savior and knowing that heaven is yours. We can all get that foretaste of heaven when we're close to our Savior, Savior and his word. The lady 
that that pastor went to go visit. She did a good job of cleaning her clothes and her sheets and well, the thing that we have to say is, but Jesus does an even better job of cleansing us, an even better job. The Lord says to us, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. None of us has had a preview of heaven like what those three disciples had that day. But through faith, you know what we can do is we can join the Apostle Peter in saying, how good, Lord, to be here. It's good for us to be right here right now, to worship our Savior, to study his word, to worship the true Son of God, to listen to God the Father, and to get a foretaste of heaven. But, but the fact of the matter is, is good, Lord, to be here, but we may not remain. That's what we sing in the hymn, and that's a very scriptural position as well. We can't just stay here always worshiping our Savior. We can't do that. As the disciples left the Mount of Transfiguration, so we'll have to leave our worship service but as we leave our worship service, we don't have to leave our Savior behind. We can take him with us. And as we take him with us, we can also make sure to share him with anyone we possibly could come into contact with, telling everyone what our Savior has done for us and what it means for us that we can look forward to eternal life in heaven and being with our Savior in all of his glory one day in heaven. And you know, as we leave and take the Savior with us and share that Savior with us, well, hopefully, those people with whom we do share the Savior, that the Holy Spirit can work on their hearts so that they can enjoy heaven with us as well. How good, Lord, to be here, to be blessed by your word, to grow in your grace and mercy and love. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, looking at the Christmas Creed here, still in the bulletin, and I wanted to be using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
Let's pray. Lord God, before the suffering and death of your one and only Son, you revealed his glory on the holy mountain. Grant that we who hear it bear his cross on earth may behold by faith the light of his heavenly glory and so be changed into his likeness. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And Lord God, please help us always to know how blessed we are to be in your heart, house, to be gathered around your word of God so that the Holy Spirit can keep working on our hearts, equipping us to fight the good fight of faith, to keep pressing on toward the goal of heaven which you've won for us, dear Jesus. Please keep on building us up in our faith and, and motivating us to, to share our faith with whomever we can so that more people can say, how good, Lord, to be here, to be close to our Savior and his word. In our prayers today, we especially think about Tony Alfaro as of this recording, he still in the hospital, recovering from pancreatitis and getting his gallbladder removed to take care of the pancreatitis. Lord God, please be with him. Give him your grace and mercy and love so that he too can say how good, Lord, it is to be here, to be close to the Savior, to know his grace and mercy and love. If it's your will, grant healing, but grant always to Tony, to all of us dealing with different trials and troubles, your grace and your mercy and love. And so we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home. Sweet home, God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you again for joining me for worship today. A couple quick announcements to share with you. Uh, well, Abraham Lincoln has a birthday on Monday, Greg Parisian on Tuesday, Wednesday is Valentine's Day, and it's also Ash Wednesday, our first Wednesday at Lenten service. Our service, communion service at 6.30, a 
I'll be here preaching on restraint, looking at Luke 22, verses 47 to 53 in the series God on Trial during the Lenten season. We'll have area, Lansing area pastors here to share God's word with us. At 5.30 on Wednesday, we will have a potluck soup supper. Hope you can join us for that. Thursday is April Mingus or Nikki's wine's birthday. Saturday, Isabel Purdy, Ron Whitman. Already told you about Tony Alfaro. Um, he was doing better the day after surgery, had a little bit of a setback after that. I'm not exactly sure where he'd be at the time of our Sunday service, because it's Friday night as I'm, I'm recording this. But he was still in the hospital at McLaren Friday, the end of the day. Please keep him in your prayers. And keep, please keep all of the people on our prayer list in your thoughts and prayers. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.